passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Good morning. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. With your hosts, David Hawn. Are they setting people up for this unrealistic expectation that 2023, they're suddenly going to use that $100 million in cap space and all this draft capital they have? Voila! playoff contender and Dan Weeder and you think suddenly that there are going to be 40 new players that are all difference makers I just don't know what fantasy land that is we're going to take the north and never give it back welcome to the take the north podcast on your free odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. I am David Hoff from the Mullane Hoff Show on 670 The Score. Dan Wiederer from the Chicago Tribune covers the Bears. The Bears have the week off. We do not. And we will continue to talk and look at them. They are a great source of conversation. They may be a lousy team at 3-10, and 10, but there's plenty to discuss. I think this gives the Bears a chance to... From what I understand, Dan, players all kind of dispersed except for the injured ones, and it gives the coaches a time to gather, maybe regroup, and who knows what they can come up with. They did pretty well the last time they did this in a mini-buy, but um, I this was an ideal time on the schedule for a break, and hopefully they can take advantage somehow. Well, yeah, and we can go back through all our episodes since the mini-buy and do our own self-scouting and figure out what we need to do to make tweaks and, and changes. It's a, it's a big period for the Bears, although it may not seem like it, because I truly do believe that 
there are a lot of things that they still need to accomplish and things they need to get settled before they close the book on the 2022 season. And so just to be able to have this, this late season moment, right, to take a step back, to view the big picture, to, to figure out what kind of tweaks they can make down the stretch, to try to put together a strong finish. I know it doesn't mean everything, but it still means something. And so it'll be really interesting to, to see what they do with this time and, and, and kind of how they reconfigure some of their plans as they, as they approach the home stretch. I do wonder, before we get going here, I do wonder that the tendency in Chicago in terms of fans and media, I think we focus so much on the quarterback and so much is about answering that question that we do tend to overlook, well, what's their depth like at defensive end? And oh, what about the you know safety position now that Eddie Jackson is out for the season and you look at his contract? I wonder how that goes at Hallis Hall. I wonder how the fixation with fixing the quarterback position, something that has eluded the Bears for generations, now that they seem to be closer to that solution and boy, isn't that fun and exciting, I wonder how that influences their sober approach <laughs> that they need to take to everything else. I don't want to suggest anything, but I think human nature is, boy, we've got something here. Boy, we've got something here, but that's one position and there are 21 others that I would think to be of, of pretty great concern. Well, I'm with you. And if you were an NFL coach or you're an NFL front office executive, you better be able to multitask. You better be able to have several different topics and several different tasks going on at once and, and, and be able to, to juggle them and manage them in a way that's productive uh, and meaningful. I think one of the things that has to be part of our discussion from now until forever is the idea of sustaining success. Right. The Bears are all about flashes of success. 2001, 2005, 06, 2010, 2018. It's a flash. It's a flash. It's a flash. It's a flash. There's never sustained success. And so I think that has to be your ultimate goal. And that can go to a macro conversation about having, you know, three consecutive winning seasons for the first time since the Reagan administration, or it can go, <laughs> or it can go to a smaller level in terms of, okay, yes, they had this promising October, November stretch of offense. Can it become October, November, December, January, right? And, wait, and, and, wait, 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 wait. The Reagan administration? Oh, yeah. Not had back-to-back-to-back to back to back winning seasons until or since? 1988. 1988. Wow. Last time that, they've had three consecutive winning seasons. That's that's 85 Bears era stuff. That's Correct. like that, – that is the era in which Chicago is stuck from a football <laughs> perspective. Correct. Uh, yeah, I guess I had forgotten that. I probably have written that and maybe even said that. But I think it's easy to want to repress that. That's understandable, right? But like I say, so this is now a period where, where you know, you have to view everything. If you're inside that building at 1920 Football Drive in Lake Forest, through the lens of how do we make this stuff sustainable, right? That conversation has ha been had about the quarterback here within this season. It's been had about the bigger picture team. You know, look, like th there are things that we're going to get it to in the offseason when it comes to free agency and the draft and organizational structure that are relevant to this. The Bears are still searching for a team president to replace Ted Phillips when January rolls around. That's not a small thing, right? And eventually we'll have a more detailed discussion on what that is. But when we talk about juggling multiple things at once the entire organization has got a lot going on at one time and they've got to figure out a way to to stop being this team that's just a flash a flash a flash a flash a flash the flashes this year have been more uh, intoxicating more enjoyable more enthralling than they've been in a long time right like like justin fields has done devin hester cleo mac type things 
within this season to get the juices of Bears fans up and, and to get the belief levels to rise. And so now it's all about what do we do from here? And, and we'll see where the Bears take it down the stretch of the season. And let's continue that conversation with our opening drive. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. So we could go a lot of different ways, but I, I think that there's one big picture question that is worth kind of considering and asking. And it also is in the context of everything we just said, getting set up here is that as I think about this and I look at all the numbers and we see the rankings that are coming out and there's all sorts of fun stuff to, to look at when it comes to Justin Fields, uh, the the question then I think shifts eventually from, and this is related, how do you develop a quarterback, which is what everything has been geared around in 2022? How do you develop a quarterback versus at some point in time, how do you develop a Super Bowl team? Uh-huh. A, a team, a championship team. Let's let's forget Super Bowl. It's just a championship caliber team versus how do you develop a quarterback? And I think traditionally in the conventional NFL sense, that's always been the same question. And it's always been something that those two answers are very compatible and they're related. And it's like, well, geez, if you get the quarterback, yeah, then you're going to have the championship caliber team. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. Look at the Cincinnati Bengals. Yep. Look at those are the most recent examples that you point to. I mean, the Rams and the Bucks of, of teams that have, you know, uh, won championships. They bought their quarterbacks. So they didn't Correct. develop them as much as they they built around those guys and, and, and put those guys in the mix. But I wonder if the Bears are, are going to find that those answers are in conflict or compatible themselves. Because I think I think they or 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 the answer to one, how do you develop a championship team, is going to going to really change how they thought they would be developing the quarterback. And I'm getting at this. I think Justin Fields potentially can be dynamic enough to win the bears and take them as far as, as far as you can imagine. And that is a championship. I think that you can structure your roster that way, but I think you've got to look at your roster in a way that is unconventional. And that's the challenge. I think for Ryan Poles to have an honest conversation when they're having these talks, maybe in off weeks or whatever the case may be with their coaching staff, because this isn't a typical approach to championship football. The question is, is how much is the current approach the long-term approach, right? And I think that's a discussion that, that that's meaningful and it's important for them to have behind those closed doors because I'm not sure that for me, my comfort level in comparing Justin Fields to Lamar Jackson is is high because I think that there is uh, a, a pocket-passing proficiency to Justin Fields' game that is coming along. It needs to be brought out. And I think it's the future for who this team is. And now it's all about how do you evolve and grow as your quarterback evolves and grows. This is where I think the union between Justin and Luke Getzey has been so important this year is because they understand that this is all fluid, right? And it is all evolving and that, that one week solutions may not be the next month solutions. And so you, you, you play that game on an every week, every month basis, and you try to figure out where it's going. To your point, I think when the Bears go into this offseason with with all the needs that they have, it's going to be paramount that there is a united vision between the, the, the men who are coaching this football team and the men who are going out and and selecting the players, right? And their and their and their staffs that have put in all this work through the college season and have put together these reports. You've got to marry those things 
together. Because if you don't marry them together or there's a little bit of disjointedness, all of a sudden you wind up going down roads that, that are really bumpy and they're full of potholes and a lot of them have dead ends and some of them have detours and there's other things that go along with it. And so that, that is a, a huge, huge process that I would imagine on January 10th begins, right, with a with a slow, steady build to what they need to do in free agency in the draft. But don't you agree that it's going to be a different path or a different route than maybe you typically take to get back to – the playoffs or to get back to having back-to-back-to-back winning seasons. I I just think, and and tell me if I'm wrong, and I know this may be a vague conceptual argument or conversation, but okay, so Adam Studzinski, our our producer, he gives us this this great statistic and and table this morning about um, how explosive plays, the Bears lead the league in explosive plays, big plays. They have 68 runs of 10 or more yards. They have 31 passes of 20 or more yards. They have 99 total, and that's just ahead of the Philadelphia Eagles. The 3-10 and 10 Bears lead the NFL in explosive plays. That, to me, is remarkable because you it, we, we typically think of teams that have that kind of explosiveness as being a playoff team or certainly something special about them. I, that's not the case. We know why the defense and a lot of other reasons why. But I think when the Bears study this and they look at what makes them unique, of course, it's the quarterback. What makes the quarterback unique? It isn't because he's the next coming of, 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 the, of the prototypical quarterback. He is a unicorn in some ways. He is. He does make everything else possible by the way that he runs the football because he's a better runner than he is a thrower at this stage of his career. And probably forever, Dan. Right. Probably, maybe, maybe. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm willing to go there in the forever, the forever sake. Well, it doesn't have to be forever. For as, for as long as the Bears want to find that useful and to ride that to, you know, the playoffs, back to respectability and into the Super Bowl, I think that he's got to be that guy, and he's going to be that guy. The, the, the question then becomes: you have to rethink how you how you approach every aspect of the roster if you indeed are going to um, lean into that in the way that we think that they might. It's different than structuring a future and a roster and a receiving core and a defense around a quarterback that you think is going to be um, Joe Burrow, you know, or you think is going to be your, your typical um, pro-style, run a typical pro-style offense. I don't know if the Bears can do that and I don't know. I don't know that they should do that with Justin Fields because I think you want to play into the strengths and ride this special player as far as he can take you. So this is a good spot here to to have a, a, a discussion about this because when they played the Packers last weekend, the volume of runs for Justin Fields was significantly down, right? And we looked at that and we said, okay, well, this is a quarterback that's two re- weeks removed from separating his left shoulder and the loss in Atlanta, and they're trying to protect him. And so they really didn't call many designed runs. There was a quarterback sneak to pick up a third and one. There was a kneel down. There were a few tuck and runs. There was a touchdown run. And then there was one other uh, designed run there. And you say, okay, so what's behind this, right? And so now we started on Monday by asking Matt Eberflus what's behind that. We'll get to that in a second. We have to continue when the season ends and we get a chance to, to pick the brain of Ryan Poles to get a feel for what his vision 
of this quarterback and this offense are beyond 2022, because I think what they've done, obviously successfully since the middle of October, is found the formula to get the plane off the ground, right? Like away from the gate on the runway and, and, and now they're in the air. Well, now you've got to figure out where you're trying to take it. And that's up to those two men with their respective staffs to, to sound that out and figure that out. So let's go back to last week and, and, and this idea that, okay, they were just merely protecting the quarterback by taking the, the running game out of his hands, so to speak. And so I asked Matt Eberflus on Monday because it was something going back through the video. Uh, obviously, the second half, I think Justin had one run and it was just a, it was a one-yard tuck and run, whatever. And you're like, okay, so they didn't run the ball with their quarterback in the second half and they scored three points and then they got beat 18 to nothing in the fourth quarter and lost the game. What's behind that? And so I asked Matt, you know, what, what was the difference? And, and he, here's a, a, a couple minutes of, of him just spitting out what he was thinking in the moment in that game. And then we can project it further from, from beyond that. I just think that as the flow and ebb and flow of the game was going, I think that we were passing it so good. I think that we were going with that uh, more, um, and I think that was uh, the right thing to do. Uh, I know we had the design counter. Uh, we all saw that play. That was nice where he slid down uh, right before the first. He's got to you know do a good job there. But uh, um, you know, I thought he did a nice job of that. I thought you know that was really the main reason, but uh, no other reason than that. We end up using a couple of wildcat plays, um, you know, because we were trying to go with that in the future. You know, to take some hits off of Justin, you know, I think that's a good idea um, in normal down situations. You know, because Justin's going to take the plays when he can, of course, but uh, we want to use them in situations. You know, red zone, third down, two minute when he, you know, the game's there where it needs to be to keep drives alive and score points. But uh, he, uh, uh, he did a good job all day with that. Is that a step in the direction you'd ultimately like to go? Is, is kind of just reducing that a little bit and using it selectively? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like I've said in the beginning for several weeks now that we want to be very protective of Justin to make sure that he is out of harm's way. Um, that's either by being smart by him, working to the sideline, working out of bounds or sliding correctly, or things like that, you know, different designs that we might give our, our halfback. Or you saw we did the thing to Velas, you know, Velas had a toss sweep, you know, and all that. So, um, it's good to spread the skill around and utilize it when, uh, you know, when we need those situations. David, that's some Monday afternoon rhetoric that I think has more substance than we probably realized in the moment, right? Because there's some things within there. I'd be curious to get your reaction that are worth unpacking because it, 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 it sounds like there's more than just a, a one Sunday approach to running Justin Fields from this point forward. I think you're right, and I think it's it's in the interest of probably protecting him because he has a separated shoulder. Uh, but I, I again, don't know if the less that you lean into that, uh, the more you're you're hurting your chances of being a different, unique offense or being a better team. I think it's in the best interest of that. That that's going to be. Let's face it. That is going to be the inner conflict that, that is going to be always there as long as Justin Fields is the quarterback of the Bears. And I think that's going to exist, Dan. I guess this is maybe what I'm trying to say without without realizing it and talking through it. Even when they get uh, their free agent offensive tackle and their, their, their drafted wide receiver that's a go-up-and-get-it guy and they supplement the receiving core and they, they get the protection and they have this offense full of weapons and, and a safe pocket, I think we're going to be asking the same question. I think because we're going to ask the same question because of who Justin Fields is naturally, and he has nothing to apologize for, and certainly no. the Bears shouldn't. This is a guy that has announced himself 
as a special generational talent in 2022. That's what you have to acknowledge if you're the Bears. And I think if you acknowledge that fully, then you're not taking the ball out of his hands in the second half of games against the Packers, which, oh, by the way, coincided with blowing a 19 to 10 fourth quarter lead (laughs) because you were a different offense in the second half because of what we just said. I think to maximize everything about your roster, once you get the receivers, once you get the offensive line, you're going to be wanting him to run the ball again, again, and again, because he is somebody who can help you lead the league in explosive plays. This got a little tricky quickly, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, honestly, when you think about it, to have, though. it's a great problem. To there's have. no it's question. It's a great problem to have. Yeah. yeah, no question. No question. It's a good problem to have. But when I sit in that room and I hear Matt Eberflus tell me that they're going to run Wildcat with Darrington Evans and, and David Montgomery more to take heat off of Justin Fields. Well, now all of a sudden, Darrington Evans and David Montgomery aren't going to be able to run some of those zone read plays to the same level of effectiveness that Justin Fields is number one, just for the mere sake of as soon as they're back there, you know, it's a running play, right? Like, and you can't even disguise that even a little bit. Number two, they're not the explosive runners that Justin Fields is. And so now, David, it's like Justin put together this fireworks show uh, that started really in New England and, and went on and went on and went on. And then it ended when he separated his shoulder in Atlanta. And it was like one of those fireworks kind of like didn't go up in the air and it shot sideways. And there was like some some sparks that flew and people go, ah, God, that that was a little dangerous. And now it's like, OK, so what do we do with with? the danger part of this. And that's what they have to navigate from here because I think they got spooked and perhaps justifiably so in thinking, okay, well now we had to go to New York and we had to play a game with Trevor Simeon and we scored 10 points and we were completely overmatched and we had no chance in the game. And that's a loss because our starting quarterback was unavailable to us because he took a routine hit on a routine run in the game the week before. So how do we prevent a routine run from becoming a loss the next week. Right. And so this is, it's a juggle and it's tricky and it got tricky quickly for them because of this injury. And so now they've got to navigate that. We've got to figure that out. You heard Matt in that same clip there talk about, we are going to try to prioritize running Justin situationally, third down red zone, two minute and use his gifts in moments where, where we feel like it matters the most. Well, now to your point, you're pulling back the reins in a way that's going to make your offense less potent for other periods of the game, because you're trying to develop a a plan that you think can last longer, work better long-term. And now you've got a riddle on your hands to try and solve. And, and so this is why coaches get together in a week like this and hopefully have conversations like we're having on a much more sophisticated level with tape to back it up and try to figure out where they want to So if I'm in the the draft uh, scout room or if I'm in the quarterback room, whatever, wherever they meet at Hallis Hall to have these kind of conversations, it goes back to I I want my backer quarterback to be as much like Justin Fields stylistically as possible because of the lesson of Trevor Simeon, if you will, or the lesson of the backup quarterback. When you have to go to him, there's going to be a drop off in ability. There's no doubt about that. But I don't think you want to change your entire approach because of uh, you don't have to. So get get your um, Tyler Huntley comp, uh, uh, get <laughs> your, your version of, of what Lamar Jackson's back. When the Ravens have to go to him, I think they don't change their approach very much. It's 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 very similarly styled, and I think that's what you want from a Bears perspective. Eventually, you'll get talent uh, at the receiving core, and you'll get talent where not so much will maybe be on. Uh, the quarterback if indeed Justin Fields has to miss a series a quarter or a game or two and that's what you have to do from from a 100% health standpoint I guess this is what I'm also wondering is that 
you know, if you want to play this game of caution, as Matt Eberflus suggested, and the thing about the Wildcat is just crazy to me. Why, <laughs> I never understood why you have your best player and you, you make him, you know, you play 10 on 11 because you want to try to outsmart everybody with a running back at quarterback. It's ridiculous. But if you are, if you are Matt Eberflus, you understand how short coaching tenures can be. If you don't take advantage of something right in front of you that's obvious to everyone, you're going to lose your job and you're going to squander this opportunity because I do think that in the next, you know, three to five years, the Bears have an opportunity and a, and a chance to, to to regain the kind of supremacy in the division with Justin Fields because of him. So if they ignore that, if they try to minimize that by being too afraid to get him hurt, they may regret that. You know how else you lose your job and squander your opportunity? You go get a guy with this much level and this much potential hurt multiple times and then he can't play right and Justin's missed six games now in his career due to injury or illness and that's a a, a pretty high total and so it, it is a tightrope that they're going to have to walk I do think they can figure it out I do think they're smart enough I do think that Justin is um, flexible enough and versatile enough to be able to adapt to whatever vision that they have for him it's just going to take some figuring out it is again why I think the last four weeks of the season are, are are really intriguing in a lot of ways because you're going to come back to play the Philadelphia Eagles in week 15, and you're going to be almost a month removed from that game in Atlanta. And so now the, the left shoulder shouldn't be in any part of anybody's brain in terms of game planning and figure, figuring things out. And so now if we go these next four games and we see, you know, 20 Wildcat plays and 12 designed runs for Justin Fields, you've got some of your answers, right? And so we've got to observe this and figure out what the volumes of these look like, what, what the actual visual aspect of this offense looks like going forward. we got to see what the production is, both in total yardage and what it looks like on the scoreboard at the end of the day. And we've got a bigger sample size to accumulate here. And I'm I, I, like, I, I've gotten some blowback from, from folks in different areas. I'm pumped for the last four games because I just think there's a lot to learn about how a lot of different people that are important to this organization are going to respond to whatever sort of tests are thrown at them and how they adapt and, and figure these things out on the fly. The first half against the Packers, I think, is the model that you want to, to replicate, correct? I mean, he they took shots down the field. He was more uh, of a runner, certainly the explosiveness. You want to try to do as much of that as, as you can moving forward. I, I the, the, the risk in, that's inherent in every running quarterback is kind of, uh, it, it's part of, it's, it's part of what you are. It's part no of doubt. your identity. I don't think that you can really, you know, I don't know that you can back off of that now. Yeah. I, I get where you're coming from. I'm just not so sure that it will be a hundred percent matched by the people that are calling the shots up there. I also do think that I think I just like, I think Justin has more in him as a passer than he's shown. It's all about just continuing to gain this experience. We've seen incredible growth in his pocket patience and presence over the last two months. That's got to continue to come along. And then just the, the speed at which he gets through things. He'll, he'll admit that himself that you got to get from one to two to three really quick sometimes in this game. And, and if you can do that, now all of a sudden you 
you become a more proficient passer and you can have these games where you don't have to count on a 55 yard touchdown run to give you that spark to get over the hump. Eventually it's just, it's something you do to convert a third down. It's something you do to keep a drive alive. It's something you do to go score inside the red zone. And then you're still able to just take apart defenses because you are a competent passer who understands how to go boom, 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 and pick away uh, at, at a defense with your arm and, and the way you read a defense. I know, I know what you're saying. And I don't disagree with that necessarily. I think when you talk about that, you're saying that you want Justin Fields to reach a level of competence as a passer that you see in other quarterbacks in the NFL, right? That yeah. you see in, in winning quarterbacks in the NFL. And I do believe he's capable of doing that. We've seen examples of that, and he can improve to the point where he is like other quarterbacks in the NFL. All I'm saying is that you have a skill that makes him do things that only – couple other quarterbacks in the NFL can do. Yep. And I don't want one to suffer at the expense of the other because maybe one day, you know, Justin Fields will get to the point where we don't, we're not looking at how he's throwing and where he's throwing to. And, and we're parsing, you know, breaking down uh, interceptions like this, the Supreme <laughs> film and, you know, this guy's fault, but I, it just seems like that's that a lot. There are a lot of reasons that, contrib- that contribute to that. He eventually will improve as a passer, but I don't think he's ever going to be the unique passer that he is as a unique runner. Right. He's always going to be that guy. And that's what I guess with long, because long way to say he's he, he, if you're going to win a, a championship, it's going to be because he's so unique in that area. Yep that nobody can stop him. Well, it's the combination of speed and power and size and all the things that make him really difficult to stop as a runner. And so you've got to figure out a way to use that. But it is a Rubik's Cube. I would I would challenge you to write this down. Like Justin's 95 yards away from topping 1,000 for this season, right? Which is a pretty good milestone for a quarterback. There's not many that have done it in this league. I also would not be shocked if 2022 goes down as his career best year as a rusher, right? Like, and I don't think you would be either. I don't know that we're expecting 1,000 yards rushing every season right and so that, mm. that's that, that yeah yeah <laughs> mm, i need to think about that little. okay let's let's uh and, and that'll get me into my next uh area of, of maybe uh, uh whining uh. <laughs> does monday at the office feel like a storm not with microsoft copilot that feeling when copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly it's sunny again when copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act that sun's shining on a beach And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Let's get into our QB1 segment. Kind of just a continuation of what we're talking about. I don't know if this will be Justin Fields' only 1,000-yard rushing season, and I don't know that I want it to be. I, I think that with the more I think about the Chicago Bears future and, I, and the more I watch Justin Fields play, I don't know that I want him to stop running. And I don't know that that's something I realized earlier in the year because, again, for reasons that, that I've stated, I, I think that you don't want to deny 
somebody from reaching their full potential because they have such a unique skill set. And in the open field, his combination of power and strength and speed is unmatched in the NFL. So I don't know that they will – this will be the only season he, he, he surpasses 1,000 yards. But that said, I, that also makes him impossible for me to – impossible for, for, for him to be measured by the traditional measurement in, uh, that we do NFL quarterbacks. QBR, passer rating, these are the typical metrics that we use to, to evaluate quarterbacks on a weekly basis, on a season-to-season ba- basis. I don't think they apply to Justin Fields. I understood. Uh, and I don't know where he is uh, in the QBR category this year. You may have a better idea than I, I do. I think he's 26th or, or, or somewhere in the – I'm looking up here. Uh, yeah, 20, 26th in, in passer rating, which sandwiches him right now between Mac Jones and Carson Wentz. Okay, so that's that's where you're at for, for the season on passer rating, 85.4. Um, I don't know what his QBR is. The one thing that is always – I get that QBR helps you – um, get a more complete picture of a quarterback because it allows you to take into account his, his running ability. Where I checked out completely on QBR after not being a buyer to begin with was when Mitch Trubisky finished a season like in the top four or three of, of the league in QBR and people were using that as a, a metric to say, look, Mitch is going to be an elite quarterback. And you said, just use your eyes. He ain't that. And that metric isn't isn't doing him any favors because it's, it's saying that he's better than he is. Justin's a totally different animal as an athlete, as a runner, as everything else that's there um but i don't know would you do you know where he's at yes i do because okay. I, i'm come prepared because i i had a, a version of this conversation on the morning show on uh, on mullion hall um on thursday morning because I, I i just think it's impossible to capture what he does in these traditional metrics he's 12th in qbr which i think takes context into the equation and measures opponents, some other things, whereas passer rating is strictly touchdowns, completions, yards, and interceptions. QBR takes a couple other factors, and he is 12th behind, get this, Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr, Jacoby Brissett, don't tell anybody in Cleveland, uh, (laughs) Jared Goff, Geno Smith, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Tua, and Patrick Mahomes. That's pretty good company to keep, and I think that I, I use that to see the disparity, the 26 in passer rating, 12th in QBR. And I asked the question about where does Justin Fields in terms of quarterbacks when you start to list guys that you would want to win this year or for the next three to five years, the answer is different in every organization. And it made, it made me think in the context of everything we're saying, there really isn't a, a metric that exists right now that measures what Justin Fields means to the Bears. Well, he, here's what I've been sort of trained during my time covering the league to look at, right? When, when you're looking at successful quarterbacks, and we've talked about this on the show before, the money-making situations are third down in the red zone, right? And so if you look at an offensive success in those situations, the Bears have gone shooting up the board on third down. And particularly in, since, since that mini buy, they have skyrocketed and they're now a top six team in the league in third down. And that does give you a measure because guess what? Justin's converting a lot of those with his legs and he's converting some of those with his arms, right? And so it tells you, okay, when you're on the money down, what do you do with it? Then there's the red zone, right? And that's another area where you got to turn trips inside the 20 into six points instead of three. And I think they're up to 13th now in the league in the red zone. So they've made a dramatic climb from where they were in the Matt Nagy era. Then you look at points 
scored, right? Like this is the metric that, that games are won and lost by. I think they're top 20 now. I think they're at 19th. That's obviously weighed down by what they did at the start of the year where they couldn't get out of their own way and they were stuck in the mud for a while. They need to climb there. And so I think there are some other metrics that can kind of give you a, a, a glimpse statistically into how a quarterback's um, effectiveness is translating over into the production of his offense. And so those are two to three to keep an eye on third down red zone and, and total scoring. And this is an interesting conversation for me because everybody's got completely enamored and rightfully so by that four game stretch where they were averaging 32 points a game. Well, then what's happened the last two games that Justin started, it's been 24 points. It's been 19 points. Again, we've got four more games to see what the sample size shows us on the way out the door of 2022 as to, are they able to sustain the, the offense explosion that they've had or do teams adjust, right? And they play different defense on you and they challenge you in different ways. And you've got to play that chess game with them and try to get things unlocked. And the bears are going to have to respond to some of this. They're going to have to respond to this coming up against some pretty good opponents down the stretch. Um, as you mentioned the other day, I think that the toughest remaining schedule of any team in the league. So those are, those are some things to, to keep an eye on as, as we kind of keep an eye. And then I think you're as uh, in tune to this as I am. I think it's just, it's just the eye test, right? Like your eyes don't lie to you most times, right? Particularly if you're coming from a lens of, of objectivity and not trying to create an inherent desire uh, into a, a conclusion that you make as, as you know, some might, but I, I think your eyes will tell you if it's, if it's looking the way it's supposed to. That's what I'm trying to say, I guess, is that when you look at all these rankings and whether he's 26 or 12th, whatever, you know, that it, you, it's not the traditional answer. I, I don't know if you're ranking quarterbacks, guys, you would want, you have to consider the roster. You have to consider the skill set. You have to consider a lot of things when saying, well, gee, I'd rather somebody called this morning and said, oh, I, who'd you rather have, Justin Herbert or Justin Fields? Well, on the surface, it's an easy one. Justin Herbert is a guy that has the <laughs> magical right arm and fits the prototype much more than Justin Fields does. At the same time, what's the objective here? Do you, are, what kind of team do you have? What kind of defense are you playing? Justin Fields might be the right guy for that one Sunday against a given opponent. Don't pay attention or, I guess, ignore the metrics and the rankings and the traditional measurements if you can, because your eyes will tell you what you're seeing. The other thing to consider, Dan, and this is a little bit out there, but I do wonder this, and I'm always going to wonder this, if Justin Fields ends up becoming the kind of quarterback that I think a lot of people think he can be, and that that's a star, is that how much of the Bears' desperation in his second season, the first full season as a starter, lead to his ability to execute or to reveal this kind of skill because it was necessary to be revealed. Yes. It, it was called into action because they stunk and didn't have receivers and didn't have an offensive line and didn't have weaponry. Whereas had they tried to fit him in the traditional box, he might've stayed there and struggled and pounded, wanted out. Whereas he had to be a star because he had nobody else around to help. I'm, I, I'm with you on that. I used the plane analogy earlier about the changes that they made getting this off the runway. And before that, it was like those old, uh, you know, black and white Wright Brothers films when the, the first couple times they tried to, to fly a plane and you, you just you, you picture the guy going up in the air and then slamming his face into the dirt and going, oh, boy, we better try something else because this didn't get us into the air. We weren't first in flight this time. So let's let's try to, to figure this out from here. Justin is incredibly devoted to this process, right? And and that is a, a compliment that is high praise. It's from teammates, it's from coaches, it's from people that have been around him. It is going to allow him to 
evolve the way that he needs to in the way they need him to for their given plan. Now they've just got to figure out what that is. You know, they figured it out for the short term. And I think the, the conversations that have been being had, which is where some of the infighting has happened in this city, is are the short-term solutions long-term viable? Right. Mm-hmm. And so now those, those are the questions that the people that are, are empowered in that building and paid a lot of money to answer those questions must solve. That's your head coach and his staff. It's your front office, your general manager and that staff. They got to figure that out and, and, and we'll see where they take it because it's, it's fascinating because it is a totally different conversation. One than we're used to having in this city because we haven't had a quarterback that allows you to, to, to dream in the way that Justin allows you to dream. And he also has a skill set that just it's, it's so uh versatile and well-rounded and, and not necessarily traditional that it, it creates uh, some fun riddles, but it also creates some complex riddles as well. It's a fun conversation. No doubt about that. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's have one about the rookies for the Bears. Okay, Dan, so when you look at the 2022 rookie class, you see what? What do you see? I see an incomplete grade. And listen, like I'm the first one to say that you can never grade a draft class until you're three years in. But for a team that basically kicked the doors open for rookies to, to play in 2022 with an eye on growth for the future, you were hoping for more from a lot of these guys. Let's be honest. You were hoping more for more uh, from Bayless Jones than, you know, nine touches and 72 yards yeah. <laughs> in week 14. You're hoping for more from Don Robinson after he had such a, a, a beautiful week one against the 49ers. And then it's just kind of disappeared for the better part of two and a half months. You were hoping for more uh, from a Tristan Ebner when he got opportunity, when Khalil Herbert got hurt. And then not only did he not do enough with his opportunity, but he got passed up on the depth chart by Darrington Evans. You know, you you just, you, you wanted to see some things. Look, I think that the, the top of this draft class uh, with Gordon and Brisker, we want to see these guys come back from concussions in these final four games, take on some challenges. Again, we've mentioned the Eagles and Bills coming to town. They're going to bring some some passing uh, offensive weapons that, that are going to require you to be on your P's and Q's. And so whether it's Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown uh, or, or Stephon Diggs or Gabe Davis or everybody other weapon in that Bills offense, these guys are going to have to step up and be, be playmakers, right? And we need to see more out of Gordon and Brisker from that end. I think Braxton Jones was a, a revelation, right? If, if we were sitting here uh, the day after the draft and say that, that Braxton Jones is going to play every snap for you at left tackle, you'd chalk that up as a win. You'd say, oh, absolutely. Fifth round guy who comes in, starts every every game and m- plays every snap as your left tackle and, and doesn't expose himself as like a major problem. That's a big deal. Now it's just about consistency and then getting in the offseason and getting stronger and working on your uh, acknowledged weaknesses and seeing where you go from there. 
But eventually, David, if you're going to do a full teardown, you need young players to be the guys that help you rebuild quickly. And you can't just say, well, we'll get everything done in 2023 when you've got all these guys in this draft class and including some undrafted guys. I know there's one that you'll like to talk about uh, who plays linebacker for them. Uh, these guys have to start to become some form of answer for you, whether it's standout or situationally, they have to become some form of answer for you. I never expected to be debating uh, at this stage of the season whether Jack Sanborn or Jaquan Brisker was having a better rookie season. I never thought that, and yet we're four games away from from having uh, to declare Jack Sanborn the defensive rookie of the year for the Bears. <laughs> if he keeps making 10 tackles a game and finishes strong, he puts himself in a position to be counted on when you have that next good Bears defense and answer a question because you, that you don't want to have to ask because you have so many others. But Jack Sanborn has been one of those guys. I don't know if uh, you want to congratulate them, but if they accidentally stumbled upon him or you credit great scouting, it really doesn't matter because he's taking advantage. I'm with you on the secondary. Kylie Gordon showed some things when he has been healthy. Athletically, I think he'll benefit from the experience. I really do like Brisker. I think he's an uh, eight-year eight starter potentially in, a, in the NFL, yeah. one of those guys. I don't know about Braxton Jones, if that's a good thing or a bad thing for the state of the Bears or his development, if he's been able to be out there. I suppose it says something about his durability, and he's got a little bit of Chuck Leno in him in that way because he was a, he was a revelation himself. Yeah. But, but I think you're right. It's, it's very – there are aspects of the, of the um, rookie class that can be disappointing and certainly incomplete. The Valus Jones thing is the one that stands out to most to me because that was a third-round pick, and you're not getting much in terms of uh, – value there and I, I don't even know what he has flashed except for he's been you know you don't want to become known for being unreliable as a rookie that's a good way to lose opportunities but um Sanborn to me is is very intriguing because he had another good game against the Packers and yeah. he's put himself in a position to be counted on moving forward and I think that's something nobody expected yeah for folks who want a, a further deeper dive into this Colleen Kane my colleague at the Tribune did a, a full comprehensive report on the rookies at chicagotribune.com and there's some really good stuff in there from some Bears assistant coaches just kind of doing their progress reports on, on a lot of these guys and seeing where they go but uh, you know uh, Josh Blackwell he's another guy that you know he played on defense against the Packers for the first time has been really good on special teams all year those are the types of guys you just you just want to find a few diamonds in the rough whether it's in your draft class or your undrafted free agency class that that can stick around for three or four years and just be part of who you are. You don't have to be stars, right? But if you can be a guy that has a role, uh, let's figure out where they go. It's th this rookie class is again, they've never been through anything like this. They haven't gotten uh, through a 18 week regular season. They haven't had to come back from a bye the week before Christmas and lock themselves back in. So there's a major test here. The last thing I'll say on this topic is with Brisker, you've heard how, how, uh, how much I admire his game, his approach, all those things. This can, Concussion gives me a little bit of a, a, a pause because of the way he plays. Yep. You know, he's missed two two games now, and he's still been in the concussion protocol. And he's still working through that. You just really, really cross your fingers and hope that this doesn't become something that that becomes a, a recurring thing for him, just because of how fearless he is, how aggressive he is, and the way he attacks the football at all times. Great point. Let's wrap things up with a two minute drill. The two minute drill. The two minute drill. All right, Dan, Pro Bowl selections come out December 17th. That's next week. Will Justin Fields be a guy that gets consideration for the Pro Bowl? 
So I have the fan vote in front of me right now, and I will tell you that Justin is not in the top 10 right now amongst quarterbacks. That's that's surprising to me. It's surprising to me as well. They distribute the vote between fans, players, and coaches. Each one of those carries one-third weight, equal weight. I'm going to read you the top 10 here really quick. Tua, Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Geno, Burrow, Cousins, Lamar, Brady, Herbert. You can understand that this is a pretty good top 10 list that, that the fans are voting for. In the NFC, I think you're, you're locking Jalen Hurts in. You probably are locking Geno Smith into one of those three quarterback slots in the NFC. And so then it's basically you're talking about Justin, Cousins, Brady, and Rodgers. If you had told anybody in, in August that, that we were going to ta- be talking about Fields versus Rodgers and Brady for a spot in the Pro Bowl, they would have had a, a, a parade. I, I don't know that Justin gets over the hump. We'll see. There's going to be alternates, right? Like Jalen Hurts may go on and play in a Super Bowl, and they'll, they'll, they'll rip open a spot for him, and, and Justin may end up going to Vegas anyway. But it will be really interesting to see where this goes. A couple other Pro Bowl notes, and then I'll get your thoughts on this. Cole Komet is ranked eighth among tight ends in the NFL. Kari Blasengame ranked ninth among fullbacks. No other Bears in the top ten except for Roquan Smith, who's third now with the Ravens at inside linebacker. <laughs> I don't know if the Bears have a Pro Bowl player. I, I just don't think this is one of those years that they get anybody that is deserving. I'm not thinking of anybody that's been overlooked. Cairo Santos at one point might have been the guy. <laughs> Eddie Jackson would have been in the conversation at one point. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, but he will have missed too much time to be you know, warranting that. If they factored in jersey sales, I'd say that Justin Fields might have a shot. Yeah. All right, so 3,000 yards rushing as a team, is that a thing? Is that a milestone? Would that be worth uh, while to achieve and mean something to this this operation? It would indeed. The Bears currently lead the league in rushing, uh, 189.2 yards per game. That puts them on pace for 3,216 rushing yards. That would be just 80 shy of the NFL record, which was set by the 2019 Ravens. There have only been four teams in NFL history, David, to go over 3,000 yards rushing in a season. Uh, The 2019 Ravens, the 78 Patriots, the 73 Bills, and the 2020 Ravens. So the 3,000-yard quest is something to keep an eye on here down the stretch. The Bears should get Khalil Herbert back before this is all said and done. He's first eligible to play again against the Bills on Christmas Eve. Uh, That would certainly help, especially if you're going to minimize Justin as a runner down the stretch. Just a, 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 a unique little milestone to, to keep tabs on as we go forward. Do you think that any of the teams the Bears play down the stretch in this toughest schedule? I mean, the Vikings could clinch on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, the Eagles, I don't know if it's too, it's probably too early for them to be doing anything, making any kind of decisions. Will they catch teams that are resting players and looking ahead? And, and could that be conceivably uh, an opportunity for them to win a game nobody expects them to win? Only the Vikings, right? We're going to have to see where they are when we go into week 18 and figure out what they have to play for and who they may be resting. I think this is an amazing, amazing test here in these last two games of the calendar of 2022 to play the Eagles and the Bills in a seven-day span at Soldier Field with Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen coming to town. A couple of defenses that are really good. The Eagles have more interceptions than anyone in the league. They got 42 sacks. I think the Bills are a top three scoring defense in the league. They're going to challenge you. I mean, these are some true measuring stick moments for Fields and the Bears. I'm excited for them to take this. I'm not expecting them to win either of those games, but I think we're going to get a better glimpse of, man, this is just how far away they are because those teams are going to be coming in here trying to lock up the first round by in the playoffs, right? Trying to get that one seed solidified. And so they're going to have everything to play for. They're going to come in here f- fully loaded and the Bears are going to have to be sharp and respond accordingly. Draft Knicks are going to love that because that means that they're going to be closer to drafting second or third. And by the way, pay attention to the Heisman Trophy uh, ceremony on Saturday night. It will tell you everything you need to know about the 2023 draft as we know it right now. 
it is underwhelming at the quarterback position. It, it, Bryce Young isn't even going to be there, and he'll likely be the first overall quarterback taken. Then you'll have C.J. Stroud, and then maybe the kid from Kentucky. You know what? I don't know. And this is this is the next pod or maybe the ongoing pod series. I don't know if the Bears are number two, if there's going to be enough teams motivated to, to trade up to get in that spot to take a quarterback because I don't know if that special quarterback is in this draft class. All right, so then watch the college football playoff and watch Jalen Carter at Georgia and watch him wreck people on the front and say, let's let's figure out if that's the better choice for us to to, to, to make the thing going worldwide. The, 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 the benefit for us and the Bears not making the playoffs is we're going to have a lot of time in January and February February to unpack some of these draft oriented conversations and really dig into what is the true value of drafting second versus drafting eighth. And how do you kind of, kind of negotiate that with the idea of what you sacrificed and actually having on field success in certain moments um, or, or what you forgave and not having success in those moments. There's some really interesting conversations to have. We got all of January to do it. Yeah. Because <laughs> if the Heisman trophy really awarded the best player in college football, Jalen Carter and Will Anderson would be in New York City on Saturday night instead of watching somebody else strike a pose and accept this, the the trophy and give a speech because it's become the best quarterback in college football or the most popular quarterback in college football but don't get me started that's a different pod we're only a week away we're only a week away from bowl season the bahamas bowl kicks off next friday so that's going to give us plenty of time to do i know you like to study all 43 bowl games put together your your big board of 350 prospects and we'll run through every single one of them forget the prospects i just like the 43 bowl games please do not mock the bahamas bowl it rewards a mac uh second place finisher and i will have none of that on this (laughs) podcast it's just the first game it's just the first game in the bowl schedule don't mocking somewhere (laughs) in a box i still have my california raisin bowl watch and it is still correct twice a day that's good please do not mock these secondary bowls they're not secondary to everybody get a battery for that thing and wear it on the show i think i will i need some (laughs) bling this show this pod could use some bling all right dan anything else that we overlooked no, uh, full weekend of, of watching football instead of covering it. It'll be fun to, uh, to get a glimpse of that. And then uh, we'll be right back at it again. Week 15 is it's not a it's not an exhale and coach to the finish line time for the Bears here. They've got to be on their P's and Q's and, and make sure that they don't get embarrassed on the stretch. Yep. And we will be back dropping another episode of Take the North on Tuesday morning. You can get it on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Download, listen, subscribe, give us some feedback, rate us and uh, let us know what you think as you ponder where the Bears are during the bye week as we just did. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast. We'll be back on Tuesday looking ahead to the Bears and the Eagles. Great talk. See you out there. Hey, everybody, I'm Mark Shanowski, along with one of the NBA's most popular analysts, Stacey King. We're inviting you to join us on the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast. So join us every week here in the Hot Sauce studios where we'll be talking about basketball, football, MMA, entertainment, and unique viewpoints from a group of sports experts having a few brews. That's right. Listen up on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast.